Michael Crane Podcast. Everything you need to know about business and entrepreneurship with your host, Michael Crane. And today we have Dave Henson, who is an author, business owner, and entrepreneur. He is the genuine slide presentation man. He set up his first business, the Regent Slides Company, some years ago and spent 13 years producing and imaging thousands of 35 mil slides for many and varied businesses. He was trained in photography and audiovisual presentation. Today, we are going to speak about when to use slides and when not to use slides, what images to use, and how they will make a huge impact to your show. And he will share his thoughts and ideas on why this is so important. And finally, you really want to listen to the very end because he is going to give you a big tip that's going to transform your slide presentations overnight. So remember, Dave, Give the big tip at the very end. So let's kick this show off. And Dave, tell our listeners a little bit more about you. Thank you, Michael. And, uh, and thank you for asking me on this uh, on this podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. So yeah, my name is Dave Henson. I am known as the Slide Presentation Man. Um, and as you said, I've been doing slides for or producing slides for, well, many years. Before I even set up my first business in 1986, I was producing slides for a photographic company in the, in the West End. But um, I set up a company in 1986 called the Regent Slide Company, and we produced slides for businesses, 35 mil slides. So if you're under the age of about 40, you probably won't even know what a 35 mil slide is, but um, we used to produce this on film and put these slides in a, in a carousel projector and project them on the screen. And the clients would fax over the brief to us. We would then produce the slides on on a computer, a computer graphic. So we did we did have a computer. Um, it only had uh, sixty four colours and two typefaces, but we did use a computer. And then the slides would be imaged, so they would be transferred from a computer to film, and we would send them off to the customer, and the customer would then present them. So yeah, that was my original entry into slides and the Regent Slide Company, which morphed into a company called Regent Vision because we diversified, um, ran for about 13 years. And uh, and since then I have, well, I've, I had took a brief 16 year sabbatical to run a web design company, but I was still doing the presentation stuff in the background. Um, and since about 2016 or since 2016, I've been the slide presentation man full time again, training people how to produce better presentations, but also designing and creating presentations myself. In today's economic climate, the majority of businesses I know and work with have needed to change to survive. Going back a number of years now, we, as you mentioned, you diversified. You went from producing 35 mil slides to PowerPoint, what seemed like overnight. How did that change your outlook on your business horizon? Yeah, you're right. So what happened was um, when we first started, of course, there wasn't PowerPoint around um, that people were unable to produce their own slides. 
And then when PowerPoint came in, or more accurately, when, I mean, PowerPoint was actually quite late to the show. Microsoft have a tendency to do that sometimes. They were late to the show with the, uh, with the internet as well. There were other programs such as Harvard Graphics, Lotus, uh, Freelance, and a few others. And when they came in, people could produce their own presentations. However, the availability of the projectors was, uh, was not there. So they still had to get them made into 35 mil slides. So the business at that point became actually became more profitable because people would produce their own slides, send the slides via modem, or send us in a, a floppy disk via a motorbike courier. And we would then take that and we would image the slides. So we, we, bought, we bought a film recorder. It was about £30,000 film recorder. But we would image the slides at £5.95 a shot. And we produced thousands of slides for customers, which would then get sent back. But the biggest problem, of course, came when the data projectors, as they were called then, the, the projectors came down in price because people could then not only produce their own slides, but also project their own slides and cut out the uh, the 35mm middleman, which is what we were. I mentioned that we changed the name of the company to Regent Vision, and one of the reasons for doing that was because we were diversifying into other areas because we saw what was coming and um, realised that the business was not going to survive in its current form. So we were we were producing some presentations electronically, um, on PowerPoint and other platforms, but we also got into things like um, we were doing, we were printing out documents and handouts. We ran a photographic studio. Uh, we were doing all sorts, all sorts of things. We did, did a bit of video work as well. And one of the things that um, that I started getting into was web design because it was we were kind of visual communicators, so it seemed like a sensible thing to do. And that's why I transformed from presentations into web design for a, for a period of time. And, and I think, you know, what um, we were talking about earlier about the, the ability to transform a business. And I think if you're small, uh, then you can do that. But sometimes there's a mental block in doing it. You're thinking, I've been doing this for so many years now. I don't really want to change, but you, but you have to. And the ability to change is much easier. But at the time, I did have 10 employees. Uh, we worked in an office in central London. So we were paying a lot of money in rent, a lot of money in salaries. It's quite a serious situation that we had to really consider seriously how we were going to change the business. Now I'm working by myself again. I quite I quite like that. So it means that if I decide I want to do something completely different, I can I can transform my, my business fairly quickly. So did you have partners at that time in in the business when you was in London? I was the um, the main shareholder and director. I actually merged with the design and print company as well, which was run by my uh, by a co-director and co-shareholder, um, and that kind of that was when the business started going downhill a little bit. Unfortunately, we we were we were quite successful to start off with. We got a lot of design and print business coming through the door. Uh, in fact, one of our <laughs> one of our earliest contracts was that we got the uh, we got the Conservative Party as a customer. Um, and we produced a lot of their literature for the 1997 general election. So one of our claims to fame is that we helped the Conservatives lose the 1997 general election. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I had a couple. I had one partner. I, when, I stopped, when I started the business back in 1986, I had two partners, two co-directors. One of them resigned as a director, and there, was just, there were two of us, but, um, but, but only me really running the business on a day-to-day -day basis. So why do you think the business started going downhill? And, and if I may, may it have been a bit of complacency or the partnership wasn't really working? Yeah, I think the partnership wasn't really working. There were different aims between the two partners. 
So I think that was probably the main reason. And we, yeah, obviously we downsized the company significantly because of the the issues we were having. Moved out of the premises we were in and back to some uh, back to the premises that my my partner at the time had. So it was cheaper to, to be there. Um, and I was having to go back to doing the kind of production work that I, that I've been doing years before. You know, as a managing director, I I delegated that to production manager. Um, I delegated the, the finance to an accounts manager. I delegated the sales to a sales manager. Um, and suddenly I found myself doing all this stuff again and, and thinking I was getting old and di- didn't really want to do it. So p- partly it was down to, to my attitude. I decided to, I actually decided to leave the business and sell out my share and, um, and start afresh. So that was the, uh, that was the thinking behind that. Yeah. Okay. I've seen many, many presentations over the years and towards the end of sitting, watching presentations, a thought goes through my mind as if to say, why would someone have a slide on the screen and just read the slide? Because I'm perfectly capable of reading a slide without the speaker speaking about the words on the slide. So my question to you is this. I've seen great talks using slides and others who insist on using no slides. When do you think a slide really should be used in a talk? Okay, so I, um, in my workshops and in my talks, I use an acronym um, a sample of rice. Um, now, sample, I'll put to one side for the time being because that's the questions that you ask before starting a presentation. But rice is my important acronym to decide when you should and when you shouldn't use slides. And rice stands for reinforce, illustrate, clarify, and explain, which means that if you've got a point in your presentation that could be reinforced or illustrated or clarified or explained by the use of a visual or a graphic, then it's a good candidate for firing up PowerPoint and producing the slide. Now, the problem we have is that, as you just said there, some people don't use slides at all, which is absolutely fine. We, we know a lot of, you know, being members of, uh, of Toastmasters, for example, we know a lot of really good speakers who are capable of standing up on stage and delivering a presentation, telling stories, keeping the audience engaged and enthralled. But then there's people that do use slides. And the problem with people that do use slides is that they think that they have to use slides for the whole presentation. So they start off with a title slide. They, you know, they put all these, and, th- and they may have a holding slide on the screen when they're when they're, not, when they're not using a particular slide to illustrate a point they're making. So what I, what I say to people is, don't be afraid to go blank. Not you, of course. The slides, the, the screen. So if you've got a point that you're making in a presentation where you're telling a story that doesn't need to be illustrated by a slide, then then stop sharing the screen on Zoom or put a black slide up on the screen when you're on stage. So I think that you need to consider, I mean, when I'm doing my workshops, I, I show examples of, of this, you know, reinforce, illustrate, clarify, explain process. So I think if you use that and just think about the point, does does what I'm saying need to be reinforced or illustrated or clarified or explained by a slide on the screen? And then if it does, make sure that you produce a slide to do precisely one of those things. And as you say, putting a slide on the screen with just, text and reading it well you might you know as a present as a presenter you might as well say well here's my presentation you read it from the screen i'm going to go and sit down and have a cup of tea 
let me know when you finish reading it and I'll come back on stage and carry on with my talk, you know. So <laughs> it's, uh, and it's, you get this cognitive exhaustion in the audience because you're trying to read and listen at the same time. And most of the time you're reading point five while the speaker's still talking about point two. And you end up just getting confused and exhausted. And, and then the message, of course, doesn't get across, which is the most important part of the, uh, or, or point of the presentation. So when do you think images should be used instead of just text? Well, this is the thing. One of the, th the slides that I show in my talks is a slide with five bullet points on talking about the, the five features of a camera. And it's typical, it's one, I show it as a bad slide, so the presenter's reading these points off the screen. And what is much better, again, as I illustrate, is to show large pictures and put minimal text on. And this is the sort of thing that uh, that Steve Jobs used to do when launching a new Apple product, for example, and the sort of thing that they still do, so that the slides are congruent with the presenter. So you've got an image on the screen. One of the advantages of images as well is that it kind of reduces the space you've got for text, which is always a good thing because it makes you think visually. You think, okay, I'm going to use an image and then use minimal text and then talk around the point that's on the screen. I mean, there's lots of things that you shouldn't do with images, but I think uh, using images is much more effective um, than just putting text on the screen, of course. And also you're addressing the people with a very visual sense of uh, instruction opposed to uh, written form. I think I'm <clears throat> very much visual. I like seeing pictures. I like seeing opposed to seeing text. Yeah. Just want to ask, some, some organisations I've heard of, for example, Amazon, have banned PowerPoint <laughs> in their roadshows and everything they do, pretty much. Why do you think this is? Simply because people are rubbish at producing slides. And, and also, PowerPoint is rubbish. Okay, now you're thinking, wow, why are you saying PowerPoint is rubbish? Actually, PowerPoint is not rubbish. PowerPoint is, is brilliant if you know how to use it properly. But the problem is, PowerPoint has been designed to, to, to lead you into bad habits. So, for example, you go into PowerPoint, you think, I've got to do a presentation. What's the first thing it offers you? Well, the first thing it offers you is a title slide. Fair enough, title slide, no problem with that. Then you, so then you do a new slide. Second thing it offers you is a text slide. So it says, what you've got to do is put a title up here, and then you've got to put bullet points in. That's the best way to present. That's what PowerPoint's saying to you. This is the way you should present. Um, so the templates in PowerPoint are set up to lead people into bad habits. Um, because people haven't been trained to do it. That's what they think a presentation is. So they just put text on the slides. What I do when I'm presenting or producing a presentation is I will open up PowerPoint, I will go into the slide masters and I will delete everything. End up with a completely blank canvas and start from scratch. And that's what I, I encourage people to do that, but they kind of get a little bit scared. Oh, it, it, there's no support there anymore. I haven't got templates. And, if you learn how to think visually and communicate visually, then you don't need that kind of template, which is a bad thing in the first place, to help you to do the presentation. Talking about bad presentations, Dave, at the beginning of lockdown, as I sat on my sofa watching the government present on live TV a PowerPoint presentation where the margins were off one side, the text was very small. Even the NHS, I think, was illegible on the screen. Now, I know you shared with your community what you would have done if they had come to you to ask you to design 
that slide deck. But before you to answer that question, we are going to go and take a very short break. We will be back. Build your next slide presentation like a pro. When creating your next slide presentation, start by remembering the acronym RICE, which stands for Reinforce, Illustrate, Clarify, and Explain. To learn more, go to www.theslidepresentationman.co.uk or buy the book. Your slides suck on Amazon. Now, let us get into part two of the podcast. And now we're back with Dave Henson in the second part of our podcast. So as the first part finished, I mentioned about the government slide presentation, which they broadcast live on the BBC and channels around the world. You couldn't read the font. Some of the imagery was even off the screen. And amongst my friends who are business owners, they were appalled on the presentation that was delivered. So, Dave, the question to you is, if the government had come to you to design their slide deck, what would you have done? And more to the point, what do you think about their failing of presenting that slide deck to the nation? And the world. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they, they have done a pretty poor job of getting across the uh, the information, I think, in terms of their visual communication. So, um, yes, yeah, so I produced um, a, a video actually on LinkedIn. If you go to my, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, um, David Henson, the slide presentation man, and you'll find a video I did pulling apart one of these government slides. And there were so many mistakes on it that uh, some of the things we've talked about already where you've got text on the screen which is too small and being read by the presenter so so what i did is i simplified it right down to make it much more to the point much more visually interesting um and and also took it one step further in the second video where i was kind of making it more emotional the, the point of the slide was that they were talking about why we needed the second lockdown in november and they showed a graph of of how the beds usage would go up in the nhs to the point where the nhs was overwhelmed so using a kind of data storytelling technique, uh, you could, uh, and this is what I did in my second version, you could show a picture of an overwhelmed, exhausted nurse and say, if you don't stay indoors by the 4th of December, which is the date they were saying, the NHS will be overwhelmed. Whereas instead they went through these two graphs um, and kind of explained that. But see, I had to watch it back on the gov.uk website to understand what they were saying, which means that, I didn't get it the first time round, which means that millions of other people didn't get it the first time round, which means probably millions of people thought, oh, I don't get it, I don't understand it, I'll go out down the pub or whatever. And and the point was, and one of the one of the good things that came out of this, which amazed me, was that people commented, two people commented on the video I put on LinkedIn to say that my version of it was much clearer and that it would have saved lives. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty grand uh, ambition to, to have to save lives in a, by just by changing a presentation and making it clearer to people. Because the other problem, I think, also is that showing a really complicated slide that the government did probably had one of two reactions. People would either look at that and say, I don't understand it, but it looks really complicated and scientific, therefore it must be true. 
or more likely they'd look at it and think, I don't really understand it. It looks very complicated. What are they trying to cover up here? And in the, you know, in this era, era that we live in of misinformation and uh, and fake stories, that second reaction could have very serious consequences. People will think, oh, it's fake information. They're trying to cover up something. I'm not going to do what they say. Whereas getting it across in a much more visually compelling way and maybe using emotional images to do that, people would have thought, ah, I get it now. I understand that. It's simple. Because you're, t- you're, you're giving this information to a wide range of people from you know you know wide range of intelligences right why so you've got to get it across in a simpler way as possible and one that you can read properly well absolutely yeah precisely and one that is congruent with the the speaker so the speaker's not repeating what's on the slide the slide is supporting the speaker to get that message across i agree completely well that's great news and a great bit of feedback you're sharing with us. And I'm not really quite sure why the government would have allowed a slide deck to go out to the nation like the one I saw. And certainly, I would have recommended they'd give you a call, Dave. (laughs) Thank you. At the very outset, we mentioned that you're going to give our listeners a big tip today. Now is your time to share your big tip. Okay, time for the big tip. And I, I kind of hinted at it throughout this talk, actually. And, and it's a big point that I always make in my talks and presentations, and it's this. And it's, if your slides work as handouts, then they don't work as slides. So in other words, what people tend to do, as we've already said, is they will put all their information on the slides. And if you ever hear a speaker, or if, certainly from my, from my point of view, if I ever hear a speaker say, don't worry, I've made all of my slides available as a handout, then I kind of go, oh, my God. <laughs> because it either means their slides don't work or their handouts don't work or they both don't work. So your slides should are only there for the time that you're presenting on stage or on Zoom, the 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, hour, whatever it happens to be. They're there to support getting your message across to the audience, okay, not um, as handouts. So produce your handouts separately which, yes, it does mean there's a bit more work involved because you've got to produce your slides and your handout separately. But they're doing two different communication jobs. The slides are communicating to your audience whilst they're sitting there listening to you on stage or on Zoom or whatever it happens to be, whereas your handouts, they can take away, they can sit down with a glass of wine in the evening, print them off or look at it on a PDF file and read the information. And, of course, you can put more information on the handouts. They should still be designed properly, uh, visual. They should still be, you know, they should, should still do a good communications job, but they are completely separate from your slides. And so my big point, my big tip, and it really, if you think about this when you're presenting, if your slides work as handouts, then they don't work as slides. Make sure that your slides do the job for you while you're presenting on stage or on screen. Thank you so much, Dave. And for our listeners, how can they find out more about the Slide Presentation Man? Well, my website is www.theslidepresentationman.co.uk. I am on LinkedIn, uh, which, I mean, if you search for my name or the Slide Presentation Man, then you will find me on LinkedIn. It'd be great to connect. And uh, yeah, on my my website, I have um, a blog which uh, covers a lot of hints and tips that uh, that, that I give out. Um, 
I've also produced a book called Your Slides Suck, which is available on Amazon or again via my website and, uh, and covers a lot of the things that I've, that I've said today. Today's show has been sponsored by www.teameasycrane.co.uk. We help you build your business and grow recurring profits. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.